You're listening to Talking Creative, the podcast that helps voice directors, creatives, and production companies to make the most of their voice actors so they can create amazing content that everyone wants to hear. I'm Samantha Poffin, voice actor and director, and I know that directing voices can feel daunting and complicated. Where do I start? Should I just wing it? What if I say the wrong thing? I want to help you make sense of all that. If you make videos, ads, audiobooks, or anything with a voiceover, then this is the podcast for you. Ready to start talking creative? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome to Talking Creative. I'm Samantha Boffin, voice actor and director. Now this week, we're going to be looking at audio drama and talking about the five steps you need to think about if you want to create one. And it's going to be a slightly different kind of approach. I mean, I'm even sitting down for it. So I am going to tell you a story. Well, kind of a story. So during lockdown, which started about 15 months ago, I began an audio drama initiative with my local community theatre, Questers Theatre in West London. It started really as a way to enable the people there to keep on creating drama at the theatre and also to learn a new skill because as lockdown began to drag on and we could see that the theatre was going to be dark for some time, and it became more and more evident that this was going to continue through the summer. And actually, I don't think anyone thought at that point it would continue to be quite as long as it did, but it was definitely going to continue through the summer. And so they asked me if I would come in and work with the actors and the directors and the technical staff on creating this new kind of drama. And the reason they asked me was... As it happens, at the point that lockdown hit, I was in the middle of running a four-week audio drama course at the theatre in person. We were doing it every Saturday, and I was working there already, and we never actually got to do the very last class. And at that point, to be honest, uh, I had no idea that this audio drama course would turn into anything else. At that point, it was just about exploring the differences, really, between stage work and audio work on mic work. So I do quite a lot of audio drama in my business. In fact, within the past 15 months, so since lockdown began, I've probably been involved in about 12 or so dramas, and I've got two in the pipeline right now. So... Audio drama was something I was very familiar with. But to be honest, at that point, I really wasn't familiar with doing everything online. I used to rehearse with the company in person and we used to go and record it all in studios. Well, once lockdown hit, the artistic director at Questers asked me if I could look into taking the idea online to see if we could create actual audio dramas. Now, because at that point I was grappling with similar issues in my day job, it did feel like quite an exciting challenge. And I thought, well, I can do that. I can get that up and running with the help, I have to say, of a team of people. So 
I got that team of uh, really interested and quite experienced people, and we even got a small budget to work with. And so we began to look into and experiment with what it would actually take to get the whole membership up and running with audio dramas. So I was able to look across the process that I was already doing in my day job and bring in elements of that to Questers. And one of the wonderful things about audio work and why I'm one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is it, it feels quite an accessible medium. I mean, obviously at one end it can be incredibly sophisticated, but actually audio is quite a simple concept. And so if you have ever thought about creating an audio drama or wondered what it actually takes to create one, this episode might be something that is of interest to you. Because what I'm going to do is share the five main steps that you need to think about if you want to create an audio drama. So, number one, what you need to get started, of course, are people. (laughs) Actors and directors and audio engineers and writers. Now, writers are surprisingly important because you want to be working ideally with original scripts so that you can actually publish your audio dramas later down the line. That becomes very complex unless you've got very deep pockets if you use already written audio dramas. But you also want original scripts that are written for radio. The other thing that you need to think about is that short scripts with small casts will make the process much, much easier when you're starting out. One thing we discovered was that 10 to 15 minute dramas were just about the right length, and particularly if they were written specifically for the audio medium. Now, luckily for me (laughs) and the team, the theatre already had an original drama department, so we had a lot of potential plays to choose from. And yes, it's true that most of them were written for the stage, but the writers were very, very up for adapting them, which for our first season was just brilliant. Adapting them for radio was quite a challenge, but we ran a writer's workshop and we talked about all of the different aspects of audio drama and remembering that anything can happen in the imagination of the audience. We honed in on the dramas that already just required smaller casts, mainly because we were pretty sure that um, anything from about two to five people when you're starting out is probably about the maximum because it's actually really difficult to wrangle bigger casts than that and actually make it work. Now, as an aside, we worked all this out just through larking about. We um, began when we were sort of looking into the whole concept, just reading scripts from Round the Horn, which is a 1950s, 1960s British comedy radio show, and discovering what was effective with that and the madness of those scripts and their really tight, really radio-centric ideas were just brilliant to learn from. It was so much fun. Anyway, back to the story. So, how the actors and the directors and the audio engineers and writers work together and learn new skills and produce something creatively 
is something that I will cover in a completely different episode. Because today, what I'm covering here are just the five main steps that you need to consider if you want to produce an audio drama. So that's number one. You need your crew, your production team and your actors. Number two is you need your kit your audio kit, the ability for people to actually record themselves speaking the lines. Now, when I'm working, I'm used to working in my studio with other actors who also have studios. So it's a relatively simple process for us. We know that our sound works and we just step into our booths or wherever we record our sound from and we link up with each other and we go. But, of course, with questers, We didn't have all that. Nobody had any studios at home. Nobody had any corners in their house where they could just reliably record sound. And moreover, they didn't have the equipment with which to record it. So we managed to pull together a simple recording kit. Well, we pulled together, in fact, six simple recording kits so that the actors could come into the theatre, pick up the kits, take them home and use them there. And I suppose the most important part of this kit was, unsurprisingly, the microphone itself. Now, in my studio here, the microphone I'm looking at right now, that I'm using right now, is a Neumann. It's a condenser mic. And condenser mics are really very sensitive. And in fact, I'll be honest, it's not the most brilliant mic for a podcast, (laughs) because it's actually designed for quite high-end audio work. And most of what I do in this podcast really doesn't need this kind of mic. It's very sensitive and it makes the post-production part of this podcast a bit of a nightmare. And what we had in the theatre anyway is they had a variety of Sennheiser dynamic mics. And these were perfect for what we needed because they were high quality, but they weren't overly sensitive. So they were quite forgiving. So all we really had to add to the mics themselves were some cables, some pop shields to go across the mic, and mic stands, and also an audio interface. Now that was probably the most complicated bit, but the actors needed audio interfaces so that they could link their mic to their computers and actually monitor their sound. Oh, and we also we had, gave them headphones as well, closed-back headphones. So they had this little kit that they would pick up from the theatre. And so then it was just a question of getting them to create spaces in their homes where they could actually record sound, so acoustically treated spaces. Now, the acoustically treated aspect of this is far more important than the equipment in many ways because that's what will make the difference to your sound. Overall, if you start recording sound in a cavernous room or a room with lots of hard surfaces or reflective surfaces or one with windows which are letting in all sorts of sounds from outside, it's a bit of a nightmare in post-production. And also, we were in London, most of us. We were on the flight path to Heathrow. So we needed somewhere where we could actually reliably acoustically treat spaces. And in fact, some people weren't in London, of course, some people were way out in the country with really bad internet connections. But I will come on to that in a minute. (laughs) So you've probably heard about the concept of a pillow fort. 
You've probably heard voiceovers talking about being in hotel rooms and having to record some sound and creating a little pillow fort out of pillows because it deadens the sound. Now, the trouble with those little pillow forts is that they don't give you much room to move around in. And when you're recording audio drama, you actually need to be able to express yourself and move your arms around a bit. I mean, I'm using my arms here now as I'm speaking to you, and I'm not playing a character. I'm just talking to you on a podcast. And when you're creating characters, you really do need a bit of room to move. So our teams of actors had to work really hard to create spaces in their houses and their flats where they could reliably record sound and to deaden the area around that to make it feel as though they were in an acoustically treated room. Now, one of the members of the original team, Russell, he went so far as to build an entire sound studio in the corner of his room. I mean, he's brilliant at DIY anyway, but he created this incredible space, which he still uses now to record really reliable sound in. So that was the second step, making the kit available and allowing the actors to experiment with building little sound forts in their houses. The third step was the rehearsal period. Now, remember this was in lockdown. Everyone was in separate houses. And in fact, going back to the kits in step two, when they picked those up from the theatre, there was this whole charade of having to go in one by one, make an appointment to pick them up. They were handed over, they were sanitised between people. It was quite an elaborate exercise, in fact. And it's amazing looking back, but we thought this was going to be a really good idea. Anyway, the rehearsals. Everyone rehearsed on Zoom. Now, Zoom is incredible, but... It is a real problem when you're rehearsing anything that involves a bit of back and forth or a bit of banter between people because there's a time lag on Zoom. So from an audio drama perspective, Zoom is a bit of a nightmare. We were able to rehearse in terms of creating characters and getting familiar with the scripts, but it really wasn't the most perfect environment to be able to record in. And moreover, we knew we couldn't record audio over Zoom because it's incredibly low quality from the audio perspective. So those rehearsals, they were fine for the early parts of creating the drama. And they were also crucial in allowing the audio engineers to talk the actors through using the kit. That was a really key part of the rehearsal process, getting the actors familiar with how they should use the kit, the audio interface in particular, and how they should set it up. But it was all online. And I mentioned just a moment ago, the one thing we discovered really quickly was that people needed a really decent internet connection. That made a real difference in step four as well, which is the actual recording. Now, as I said, we didn't record over Zoom because Zoom is quite low quality for recording. We used what I use in my day job, which is CleanFeed. Now, CleanFeed is like an audio Zoom. I've mentioned it before in the podcast in quite a few other episodes, and it's a way of enabling you to link up with people, with multiple people. And you can monitor and record sound as it happens in real time. So it doesn't have the lag that Zoom has. And crucially, it's much higher quality. But here's a thing. (laughs) 
Although the sound is very usable, in fact, we found that because of the unreliability of people's internet connections, which caused dropout on CleanFeed because it's over the Chrome browser, we had to find a workaround. So we did what I do every time I record remotely. Everyone recorded a backup onto their computer at the same time, which sounds complicated, but actually it's quite straightforward. And it means you've always got a backup that isn't affected by poor internet connection. And in most cases, we used that backup as the real recording. So, Clean Feed allowed us to create the environment where people could bounce off each other and characters could have a bit of back and forth. But it was the local recordings that we used because they were more reliable and didn't have any dropout on them on the whole. As I say, that again is something that I do in my day job normally. I generally back up recordings, not least because it's a belt and braces approach, but also because the sound that comes directly into my computer from my mic is less compressed than the sound that's recorded over clean feed. Perfectly high quality, but there is a compression that goes on with clean feed. So that was step four. Now it's worth mentioning here that at the beginning of those sessions, there was always a huge kerfuffle of getting everybody on board, getting all four or five actors set up and sounding great within the room. And that was where the audio engineer really came into their own. These sessions weren't always plain sailing, and even at best, they probably lasted a good two hours. And that was a lot of setup time at the beginning, which is another good reason why you should only have short 10-minute plays. Because once you've spent all that time getting everybody up to speed from a technical angle, and then you do, say, a rehearsal and a couple of recordings, that's your two hours of work just there. And it was summer, and it was very, very hot. In fact, when we did the very first season of plays with the theatre company, it was right in the middle of summer. So they were all in these really sort of hot studio spaces and it got really uncomfortable. And thank God we weren't on Zoom because nobody wanted to see that. <laughs> After two hours of that, that's quite a feat for everyone. So that was step four. And step five is the post-production part of it. That's taking all of the different audio feeds, stitching them all together, and adding effects and music, creating the play. Now, the beauty of something like Clean Feed, and the clue is in the title, is that it gives you a number of clean feeds, but nothing is mixed at that point. So the audio engineer can take the solo audio tracks place them wherever he or she wants to on the timeline. But then you've still got to, you've still got to add effects and music and mix everything down and create your audio drama. Now, it can be as simple or as complex as you wish. And we were incredibly lucky to have audio engineers at the theatre who really understood what they were doing or who knew enough to then go on to learn what they needed to learn. So they were able to create some very innovative audio beds, which was great fun, which was brilliant for everybody. Now, a lot of sound effects can be done in mic. So in other words, if you're opening a present, say, as part of the action, you can actually open the present on mic so that you've got that actual sound captured on the recording. 
Then, once you've created... (laughs) I say this. Once you've created your audio drama, that makes it sound really straightforward. And it's, it's really not that straightforward. It's not that easy. It's a really time-consuming thing. Taking people's feeds and actually creating a 10-minute drama is really complex. And thank goodness there were people at the theatre who knew that they could do that. On the other hand, when it's done, you then have an audio drama at the end of it, which is fantastic. And you can put it anywhere you like. You can put it on SoundCloud or on a podcast, or you can put it up on YouTube or you can just keep it and distribute it to whoever is interested in it. Now, I think that there is something rather wonderful about audio dramas. And one of the reasons is, stick with this, my dad had Alzheimer's. And when it really began to kick in, we cleared out his editing room because we knew that he would never go back into it again. And we found in there a whole variety of radio dramas that he had recorded from the 1950s right up to the noughties. And this is him, him in the radio dramas. And they're just wonderful to listen to. And I cannot tell you how fantastic it is to hear his voice, a voice that I might say changed so much over the years and and was really quite different, particularly towards the end. And those radio dramas, they're just incredible to listen to. Now, he worked in film and TV all his life, so the quality is excellent. And I love that about audio. It, it really feels quite ageless. And to get that quality now has never been more accessible. It's incredible, really, what we can do. Now, back in the day, my dad, he would have had to work incredibly hard to get that sort of quality. But now it's relatively straightforward. Now, as I say, the directing part, the rehearsals, the recording, working with actors, creating the tone and the feel, weaving that story is, of course, the magical, more esoteric parts of creating an audio drama. And that is something that I will cover in a different future episode, or probably episodes. But this episode was just a way of explaining what the process is behind creating an audio drama, and the five main steps behind the scenes of the five main steps that it takes to create an audio drama online without people being present in a room. So step one, get your crew around you, your actors, your directors, your audio engineers, and crucially, your writers. You need those original short audio drama scripts. Step two is the kit. Being able to have access to recording equipment that will allow you to capture the actors' voices and actually record it. High quality kit. Then step three is that rehearsal period where you're getting used to using the kit and the recording space and also getting used to creating your characters. Now that happened on Zoom for us. And then step four is the recording process. That's getting everybody together so they're all in the same room, in this case a clean feed room, but that they're all together so they can bounce off each other and actually sound as if they're in the same space. And then step five is the post-production part of it, where you pull all those things together, the audio engineer, I might add, pulls all those things together and creates the finished product. And then you can do what you like with it at that stage. 
If you are interested in audio drama, then my advice would be to listen to as many as you can. And the wonderful thing is, they are everywhere, not just on places like BBC Sounds, but there's an incredible array of audio dramas out there from independent companies like Big Finish, B7, The Wireless Theatre Company, Fcol Entertainment, Sweet Talk, or you can find them on Audible or honestly any podcast platform. So it was a bit of a different episode this week, but I hope it was an interesting journey if you've ever wanted to create audio dramas. It was really interesting for me, at any rate, to be able to collaborate with the theatre and really make something new happen. And it was a wonderful experience and a, a true collaboration because without the team at Questers, it just wouldn't have happened. And we're still making those audio dramas and we'll still be making them into the future. We've now got two seasons, two full seasons behind us now and a Christmas special. So it feels like it's a really key part of the theatre company, which is amazing. (laughs) It's really exciting and it's something that feels really achievable. That's what's so lovely about it. So thank you so much for listening, if you've got this far. (laughs) And do get in contact if you want any more information about it. Please do connect with me on LinkedIn if you're interested in audio work and directing and all kinds of voiceover stuff, because it's what I love to talk about. Do connect with me there or follow me. That would be amazing. So until next time, this was Talking Creative the art of voiceover directing. And I'm Samantha Boffin. Bye. Thanks for listening to Talking Creative, the art of voiceover directing. If you enjoyed it, do leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the episode on social media so other people like you can get the best out of their voice actors. And don't forget, you can head over to talkingcreative.co.uk for the whole series.